0: Welcome everyone to The Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with me, Ayal Shai. I'm here with Etienne Fortier Dubois. Hi, Etienne.
1: Hi, Ayal. How are are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Um, So, no beating around the bush. What are we going to discuss today?
1: So, you said we should talk about some idea that's of deep philosophical value, and I thought about something I haven't actually talked with this much with anyone but the idea of regret and everything that goes with it regret is basically regret like uh thinking a past decision was bad so basically this past decision making how do we evaluate choices we made these sorts of things uh, I think it's a, it's an important topic in anyone's life and not something that gets discussed a lot
0: sure that's that's something to be explored and there is a lot to to say and think about it. Um, What connects you to this concept, like emotionally? Is it something that you've um, dealt with recently or or in the more distant past? Uh, How did you come to deal with that in your mind?
1: I think I am a generally indecisive person. And over time, I, 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 like, I fuss a lot about my, like, big life decisions. I think about them a lot. And, like, before making them and after making them. And at some point, um, I sort of taught myself to stop fussing about them after, at least. Before, yes, sure. Like, it, they're big decisions. You need to think about them, evaluate, whatever. Um, fine. But, like, once they're done, like, there's nothing you can do about it. So, this is something over time I've learned to do. And, it's come up many times. the most salient example and I guess we can get into it it's it's a very fairly personal but it was a breakup that I initiated um, a few years ago and which turned out that we we came back together after so you know there's clearly a thing there right there we it was a decision I made and the decision was reversed later. And now how to think about all of these things is something that's been on my mind ever since. But then other life decisions like the decision to quit my full-time job earlier this year. And all my decisions about um, fields of study uh, in university and so on. Uh, I've, As a generally curious person, I've always wished I studied or chosen other life paths. And at some point, I just had to say, say, "Okay, like stop. Like you chose those those paths already. You chose those fields of study, and like they were not bad choices. And you can invent, fantasize about other lives you would have lives you would have lived if you chose other paths. But there's no." there's no point in doing that. And in any case, you know, paths are still open right now. I'm 30 years old. There's like a lot of other things I can do. And if I wish I study history, well, no one's gonna stop me from studying history on my own right now, for instance. Um, so it's a multifaceted answer to a multifaceted uh, problem. like yeah. problem, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, what, what I'd like to hear, I think before we get into the um, looking back, the, the, the retrospection um, part is maybe let's go before a big decision. And yes, I would love to eventually get into all three areas like relationships, job and education. Those are all fascinating. Um, is there a pattern that runs through them of, of how you kind of uh, struggle to or, or try to make up your mind about uh, a big decision? And also... Now that I'm thinking about it, is there something, is there a criterion for, for what you call a big decision? I imagine that not every decision is, is painstaking.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. well, that's a great question. There is, what, what, why is a decision a big decision? I guess it's a matter of consequences, right? Impact on your life, uh, things like the place you live in things like who what kind of people you will meet um because people are probably the most consequent, consequential thing in your life for your well-being and so on um, and in a way i guess you do make a decision every moment every waking moment of keep usually of keeping doing what you are doing um, But I guess status quo is, feels less big, right? Even though it's, uh, it's, we choose status quo all the time. Um, So probably big decisions tend to be seen like this when there are change in the status quo. And sometimes the change has to come because you are done with your university program. Now you you must do something, Um, but other times you could remain in a status quo and something builds up in you and you decide to leave, for instance, quitting a job that you could have kept. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the one thing to qualify a big decision would be. As to like the first part of your question, um, what was it? The
0: like could you could you walk us through kind of your process of actually trying to make up your mind or something is it a comparison between the futures is it um some sort of a list that you you know pros and cons anything like that
1: yeah the the pros and cons thing i do tend to, to to do a lot um though this is something and this is something i learned at the time of the breakup i mentioned uh i was seeing a psychologist uh, every couple of weeks back then and at some point in that process i sort of um, realized that i had to make a decision because when i thought about making the decision it just filled me with inner peace and since then it's sort of become the main thing i don't know how reliable that is but I think it's a pretty good heuristic. If you just feel like you, if you just feel better and calm, like you don't feel anxiety about a decision, you're a choice you're about to make, um, it's probably a good sign. I can imagine reasons to think that it might not be 100% reliable. Um, like maybe sometimes you, uh, Maybe sometimes it would be better to continue doing something because the payoff is going to is will come later in the future. But right now it feels tempting to quit. You think about quitting, and then that feels quite a repeat because you're super stressed right now with the thing, the job, for instance. And so you say, "Oh, that's that's the good decision. I need to quit because I, I'm I'm feeling more peaceful." But no, maybe maybe like if you had kept going, you would have felt better later. Um, like that's plausible, but. In any case, how, how can you know this? And if you, if you feel more peaceful, less stressed about something right now, uh, it might also be a sign that if you kept going, you would just feel even more and more and more stressed and anxious and you would just hate yourself and you will quit anyway later, but regret not quitting uh, when you first thought of it, right? So I think it is a pretty good heuristic. Um, list of pros and cons is still it's still like something you probably need to do, but I don't know who said this or where it's from, but like I think it's pretty a good idea to make the list. And then once you've made the list and you weigh everything and it comes to a conclusion because there's more pros and cons or more cons and pros, um, you are totally free and probably should throw this conclusion in the in the trash can and just go with your gut. Because the process of actually listing those pros and cons will have uh, percolated in your mind and you will mm-hmm. understand actually what you're trying to, to do, uh, which main, with your intuition in the case where you've done a lot of thinking like this and listed the things is probably more sensitive to some things that are that matter to you than the actual rational kind of list that you made. So do think about a decision. Do list the pros and cons, but then at the end, just go with whatever feeling uh, you, your body or your mind is telling me is sending you as a signal.
0: Yeah, for, for me, I can I can share that this um, this conversation is is very well timed. Um, we just sent our three year old daughter to her first day in kindergarten oh, wow. after spending all her time at home with us and. It's hard for her, but it may be even harder for us because of our, our view of what education could be like and should be like. And we live in a little community that's very kind of set in its ways when it comes to how to raise the children. It's very much um, sending them through the, the the same channel, you know, not like letting them maybe express themselves as. as as best as they as best as as they could um and we're thinking about it now so it's interesting as, as you are talking about these things yeah that's that's for us like now every day it's like well we feel this pressure from from outside from our close environment to do to be different basically and to have a decision because these are all people who have no problem going with the flow as it is right so we are pressured Um, we have ideas and then all the time we need to look at our daughter and kind of see how she's actually doing um, separate from our ideals, right? So in the end, we want to see her happy and we have to accept that maybe she is going to be happy doing what everybody else is doing. And it's very tricky. It's I think the fourth day now, and it's really unclear um, where it's gonna go. And that's that's not it's not an easy feeling at all. Um, it's, it's very uneasy to be in that, in that, um, space and, and time. And you don't know if the easy decision, which is for us is like, Oh, let's just take her back home. You know, this is what we're used to. We love her. We miss her on the first minute she's away. And you don't know if that's something that you should push through or you're just, right in your heart, right? And, and this whole time that you're actually debating this in your hand is, is very, very uneasy and, and not, not easy to, to digest. Um, so I very much resonate with what you're saying about coming to a decision. And another thing that comes to my mind is really, is any form of um, negating the stress, is any form of negating stress the same because i don't think it is you could run away from stress into a sort of like cocooning or numbing so you don't feel the stress you feel relieved sort of but you know it's going to come um it's going to inundate you later again or if it's actually a more like profound change that kind of shifted your attention to other things that are um positive so i don't know what what do you think about that are there um about classifying different ways to to relieve yourself of of stress are they equal or not
1: right Uh, well first i would like to just say something about what you said with your daughter
0: Mm -hmm. um, sure
1: which is that like in this case, you're talking even like in an even more tricky situation, which is taking it, making a decision that is for someone else. Right. And I don't have children. So I've, I haven't been in that situation. I've also not, you know, managed teams at work. So I've rarely had to make big impactful decisions on behalf of other people. But then like, it's just interesting to think that like, it's, the same decision process plus this extra layer of needing to have a mental model of the person you're impacting. Yes. And then, and and that's kind of tricky because then you don't have that much of a good read on their feelings and their stress and inner peace. And like, how how can you know exactly what your daughter feels like it impacts you and her. And like, it's, it's even more tricky. Right. Um, So there's like, we could, probably discuss this some more but since i don't actually have a lot of experience and that <laughs> um, i just wanted to mention that like it's like an extra layer of the problem <laughs> but um, but to the second part the second thing you said so uh, different kinds of stress right or different uh, how do you deal with uh, different signals of stress i guess is it's how you i could rephrase your question is that right
0: well I, I think the stress is, is the stress, but I think not everything that relieves you of this stress is, is an right right is a good way to go.
1: Yeah, well, I think there are different kinds of stress to begin with. so uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, you, you should be sensitive to that and like sometimes theres stress that's just uh, some insecurity you have, but like if you actually worked on it, maybe you're anxious about speaking in front of people, but like speaking in front of people is something that tons of people do and it's fine. And it's good, good thing to, to do and feel less stressful about it. So like, if you try to just avoid that, and if you make all your life decisions trying to avoid that, when you could just sort of work on your insecurities and then be fine talking to people in front of other people and, um, and then live a better life, then, you know, be careful. You don't want to make all your decisions. According to this, um, but then you're right. There would be like ways to numb yourself uh, to not feel anything. I think in general is not a good path. Um, which is why I think when, when I described the inner peace earlier, like it's it wasn't just like feeling more calm. It was kind of it, it was feeling right in a way. It's like feeling that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more attuned to the kind of person you are, you're, and you know when you feel that kind of inner peace that you're not hiding anything, you're not pretending that a uh, situation does not exist. You just uh, you just feel that it's some the right the right decision. It's hard to describe actually. Maybe it's not so helpful for someone who's trying to make a big decision. It's like, how do I feel that inner peace? It's kind of a if you know, you know thing. <laughs> um, yeah, there's lots of chemical ways to relieve yourself of, st- of stress, which you know, used in moderation, are fine. Um, but obviously, that's not what we're talking about either. It's. Uh...
0: I think I think I'd like to hear your opinion on. I think it's making me think of the the famous schism between. Um, mind and, and emotion, right? So a lot of people are like, I have this dichotomy, right? Mind and emotion. Um, and seemingly they can be oppositions or opponents and they kind of, and, and we know that very well from actually deliberating on on future decisions. Um, eventually, I tend to reject that and feel like we could and should, align them together in the same direction and then everything feels more right. Um, but is that something that you encountered in your, in your past um, processes of, of trying to come to a decision? The schism?
1: I think I should say yes.
0: Um, or has that been the, uh, the most salient inner conflict? Was it... Mm -hmm. in terms of that
1: that's kind of requiring me to think a lot about my like the deep past in my life like childhood um I think I used to be a kind of kid who had the hold on his emotions and would be like very calm and and very rational kind of uh kid and probably in a lot of my life, I would have said, oh, yeah, there's definitely a big schism. It's like totally different things. And like emotions are fine. They're, they're, they exist. You live with them. But like you have your mind that controls them. And uh, you can maybe I would have said, yeah, emotions are, can be a useful signal. But they're just a signal. And then you take the signal in and you decide what you do with it. And lately, I guess I would have, I think I I could say I, I moved away from that perspective. And now I don't see, I don't really agree so much about this schism in the way I see the world, at least. Um your emotions are very much a part of you. They they're not just a signal, they're they're basically you feeling things. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um I don't know. Do you think like there's a an actual schism in it?
0: Uh, then, no, like I said, I I reject it. Um, yeah. I think a lot, a lot of the a lot of the thoughts on it come, you know, indirectly. Not everybody's uh, read Plato's Republic, but let's say already in ancient Greece you have a mm-hmm. work like Plato's Republic, and in it there's this story about the um, the chimera, right? So Socrates is telling his interlocutors that. There is a man who signifies reason. There's a lion that signifies emotion. And then there's a monster that signifies desire. And to his interlocutors there, explicitly, he said, he says that the man should control the lion. The man should control the lion who is going to help the man control desire. Um, but if analyzed correctly, it actually shows that he uses this type of of imagery because his interlocutors expectations are to, he's drawn to um, control and and being of the highest class and belonging to a high class. So Socrates kind of uses this ploy to to get him interested um, when really the the logic behind it is that reason, emotion, and desire, uh, which is the tripartite model of the soul, in ancient Greece, um, they should all be aligned together and working for the same goal because desire isn't a monster if what you desire is a good end, is is living well, let's say. Then it's not a monster to be controlled. Um, if it desires the well-being of others, then it's not to be messed with. Um, and it's the same with, with emotion and reason. So each has their own um, role and they should learn to operate together. And I think when integrated correctly, that is, that is a marker for, for living well, for actually having mm-hmm. internal harmony. Um, so this is my personal opinion on, on this schism, but I just know that it's so I know where it's coming from. Uh, we're not born with a very well-developed, um, reason faculty because it takes time to, um, to develop and it doesn't happen until our teenage years. And even then it happens if we actually have good educators that are helping helping this faculty really uh, develop in us. Um, anyway, this is, don't want to ramble for too long on it, but I do say where it's coming from. Like I've definitely felt my mind saying one thing and my heart saying another thing in in my life and, and I do now, as I just said with my daughter. So it's not about, it's not that it can't happen, but now I know that there is a way, So I think um, I think something that that is interesting to find out about ourselves is whether we could uh, reconcile these different faculties of our of our soul, and um, I'd be interested in in hearing from you if you've thought about it explicitly, or if you've felt in recent years that your emotions are not just a signal but an integral part of you, then. What was the process like? And then maybe after that, I will want to to kind of look at a case study from your life, um, if you volunteer, and and kind of look at at how it transpired.
1: I don't know that I've really done a lot done a lot of thinking about the explicitly this model of having like the duality or tripe priority whatever uh of the mind and soul um and i don't know it, it is definitely an idea that's floating around like at least since ancient greece so um i guess it's part of it's somehow part of everyone's mental model and it's probably i i, I kind of wonder and this is just speculation for me i'm not an expert in, in in psychology or anything but like i wonder if it's like it's just easier for humans to imagine complex processes like kind of anthropomorphize them like and you're you're used to dealing with various other humans or even animals and so when like then it's kind of natural for uh socrates to go and say well this is the lion this is the human this is the monster and uh just because like it's it's easy to imagine uh these things fighting or dealing with each other and i'm thinking even of more recent examples like i don't know if you're familiar with the blog wait but why but at some point he talks about the, he personifies procrastination as a monkey he personifies um the sort of fear of like social anxiety as a mammoth um and like this makes a lot of sense when you read it it's like it brings to life Things that are probably complicated and abstract processes in our mind, in our brain. So um, I don't know, but it like maybe for me it seems at this point I just think of those things really as metaphors. It's it's fun to think about them. It helps perhaps, but I they're still just metaphors. So so with that in mind. Um, in mind,
0: haha. <laughs> um, Did you? Yeah. Could you put Could you put the finger on um, a time or, or or a process that happened that kind of made you more integrated? Though in that, even if they're just metaphors, like kind of um, a process that brought them closer together, uh, and then not having to to have the same feeling of of conflict between them when. Uh, deliberating
1: Mm, i don't know i think it's probably kind of a gradual process kind of becoming more wise over time kind of thing i don't know if i can think of any single event Um, maybe if i thought about it long enough i would find some (laughs) the, the way it actually happened for me to to integrate them i'm i'm again and again going to the time i did a little bit of uh, psychotherapy and around the breakup and like there are times there are times in my life where i did more introspection introspection than others that one that was one such time and so i guess probably even though i maybe not have thought about it in like explicit terms probably one of those times when you sort of realize more what this is all about how your mind works how you how you how you think about yourself. At some point I did realize that like there are lots of things going in my mind, and presumably in everyone else's mind as well. I'm not saying that I'm special, but even like you forget things about yourself all the time and then you re-remember them. You know, like very mundanely, like things like uh, what kind of food you eat and you like. And at some point you're like, hey, I haven't eaten that food I like in like a year. And then and you make it and you're happy about it and like and as you do that probably you're forgetting about another food you've had right so this sort this is something i realized maybe in the past five years and that and it's something i like actually about the mind you're that you're constantly reinventing yourself and forgetting things and you're never bored with yourself because there's always stuff to rediscover and to discover in the first place um and so if that goes with, like, ordinary things like food preferences, uh, it, pro- it probably goes also with emotions, with narratives that you've thought, that you've told yourself about your life, about uh, decisions you've made in the past. And, and it, like, if the metaphor of having little animals in your mind doing different things is accurate, like, I think it's not, like, three or four or five animals, it's, like, thousands or hundreds of thousands a of zoo animals. It's, maybe, <laughs> it's a zoo, it is. And some parts of the zoo, you just forget about it and then they come back into salience later. Um, and the thing is, when you go from a metaphor with three or four elements to a metaphor with like infinitely many elements, that's kind of the same as saying, well, it's just one thing. It makes more sense to think of the zoo as a whole rather than all of the individual animals in it. And that's what the brain is. The brain is a collection of lots of neurons, lots uh, of process, chemical processes. But you know, we still think of it as the brain and the mind. Right.
0: As. I mean, it, we we arguably have more than one personality in our brain, as as is reflected from some neuroscience um, mm-hmm. research on on split brain patients. Right. So um, supposedly one person was shown to have a hemisphere that believes in God and the other one doesn't, for example. So, so that's, that's definitely interesting. That's fascinating. Um, I didn't know
1: about this. I yeah, will yeah, I you think, um, tell me a little more.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it came up in, in a number of books. I think it's the, the most recent I've read with, with this example in is this probably live wired by David Eagleman. I think it's in that book and there's a reference. Um, Yeah. So now if if you don't mind kind of maybe taking a case study, like you said, a breakup and how, how long have you been mulling things over in your, in your head? And was it uh, a situation of, of um, mind versus emotion? And when you actually pulled the trigger and made the decision was it because there was kind of a final straw that made it clear for you or was there just maturation of, of these ideas?
1: Mm-hmm. Trying to think how much detail I want to give about this. Um, I'm happy to talk about it, but I will not give necessarily a uh, no, no, no big need amount to. of detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fine. However, whatever you're comfortable with.
1: There is a... Uh... So so some things happened, which made me question the state of my relationship, which at the time was going over seven, no, six years, six and a half years. Um, And then, and then, you know, there's this force that sort of throws you off balance. There's, which, which I am not going to, to mention explicitly, but you know, there's an event that happens and then mm-hmm. you're like wait should i reconsider this because as i said earlier at in most things we just choose the status quo over and over again and in most cases it's fine it's the it's the right decision um and so when you're in a, like for the vast majority of people when you're in a romantic relationship you just uh, keep going with it like there's no expectation that it will end at some point even though you know you know it can happen but you just Expect the status quo to keep going unless some external force or maybe internal force uh, brings uh, brings it to its end. So, like happily going along with the status quo, it was going fine. We'd actually bought a, a place to live together the same year, um, and then there's this event, and then. You just think, well, obviously, I was going to go with the status quo. That's what I was expecting. I'm still sort of expecting this, but now there's a reconsideration. So, should should the status quo be kept, or should I make a, should I basically bring the disturbance to its full conclusion and end the relationship, and then go do something else? Um, this is a really kind of really hard decision for anyone who is in this situation I think for even in, if, if in some cases from the outside it looks like obvious like some people are in toxic relationships and everyone around them is like yes leave the relationship yes do it but even then it's really hard right yeah uh, for me it wasn't a toxic relationship it was uh, it was really kind of just external forces and just you know this sort of boredom with the status quo which you know is always something that can creep up a little bit um, so so the first the, your first reaction is okay there's this disturbance but i'm not going to do anything about it like it's uh it's just a random single event that happens Disturbances happen all the time to a lot of things in your life and you know you won't change your life all the time for them but at some point you start thinking well, wait, yes, the status quo is fine, but like, there's also a lot of stories of people improving their life by making big changes. And if I'm not going to make these big changes now, does that mean that I'm just going to remain with the status quo that I'm starting to feel is a little boring? Um, So I think this is kind of how it starts. You you, you question the, the status quo and then you're like, if if not now, when or if any, if at a, if not now, will I ever actually make a decision like this? Right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking all in very abstract things because I'm hesitating to give some detail. But no, that's
0: that's that's <laughs> fine. And I think I think it makes perfect sense. And I think really the, the actual interesting part is is not so much the details that are going to be different for different people anyway, but just the fact that you're that you're able to reflect on on your own like internal um, situation mm-hmm. that's 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 the main thing. So I think it's, it's going well.
1: <laughs> so as I, and as I said earlier, earlier I, I I mentioned making decisions on behalf of other people, and I said sort I of didn't have a lot of experience in that. But I'm now I'm that I'm thinking about it. If you are, I was going to
0: say actually, I was going to say that actually, I think uh, a relationship is uh, is bound to have this.
1: It, yeah, obviously. Um, well, well, it's a decision you make. Yeah, it's, it, in part, it's a decision that two people make together. All both people are continually choosing the status quo usually, and sometimes you can have an amicable breakup where two people decide together to end it. Um, I guess most breakups aren't like that and our breakup was not like that it was really me saying okay I well the decision process was like months long right it was not an, uh, an immediate thing but it was basically me deciding something for myself that would also be by its very nature deciding something for someone else right um, which which complica- which again complicates the situation because you do not want to hurt the person. Uh, you do not want to force them into a different life when they were perfectly happy with the status quo. Um, so which is, I think, this is maybe at least 50% or more of why it was a hard and long decision process. If it had just been me that who would be impacted, that would have been far, far, far easier, I think um so over those months i did uh got the opportunity to see a psychologist for free for few like i think eight eight times which was helpful like it it was also the first time i did this which i think some people have stigma against like psychotherapy but like you know if they're not ruining yourself financially like it's good just because it's introspection and introspection is always it's always good you should always take any opportunity to do some good introspection if you can so that helped and and that that helped like for myself to clarify what i wanted from life what i was expecting what i what what what, what how the decision should be made. And this, I think it's after one of those sessions with the psychologist that I really felt that amazing inner peace when I finally decided to uh, go ahead with the breakup. And that was, I think, three months into the, after the disturbance happened, which the disturbance itself sort of went away. It it, it didn't really even matter that much anymore, but at that point it was uh, what happened like, the syst- My internal system was thrown off balance by the disturbance and like, it shifted into something else over those few months which ended up with uh, breaking up. And the inner peace was good, but obviously that also did not necessarily last so long because a breakup is hard. It makes people cry and it uh, changes your life in ways that you expect and ways that you don't. And it makes you have to make a lot of choices, like where am I going to live now? How is your social life going to be organized when a lot of your social life was, you know, hanging out with your partner and um, and also their friends? Um, now there's a whole part of it which we've to have gone. I was also job hunting at the time, so, you know, add all of that to like a big blur of two months of a lot of soul searching. But still overall, I was Okay with the decision. I was happy with it to some extent, but I was also re-questioning it because you know you could also in most in many decisions in life you can also reverse them. And as I said, I did actually in the end reverse it. So, so now you we're kind of entering the post decision yeah part yeah. of the discussion. We, we
0: can go there. That's a, that's a good time to do it. I think to to really think about um, thinking thinking backwards and and reflecting um yeah what does that mean like for you
1: Mm -hmm. and so in a sense i said a lot of decisions can be reversed and a lot and some can't or some events like are final and they're probably it seems to me that they're probably very different in the way that you need to deal with them and it's not a decision but like if somebody in your family dies like you know it's Irreversible and like you're going to deal with it and you're gonna hurt, but like at some point you just accept because what else can you do? But when it's a decision you made that could be reversed, um it's kind of a little harder to accept if it hurts and like you you keep telling yourself maybe it was a bad decision. And if it's more or less easily reversible, you keep telling yourself, should I reverse it? And so now you're always. You're in a different status quo, but also always questioning it. Um, maybe if you wait for a long time at some point, it just becomes so distant that it doesn't matter anymore. But when it's recent, when it's fresh in your mind, you you wonder. And one word that we have for this wondering is regret.
0: Yeah, so, that, so that's interesting because obviously uh, the concept was just about to to come out anyway and explicitly regret um it's interesting because is regret different between the cases of the cases where you kind of frame regret as i regret this and therefore i will reverse it you know um actually reversing time and rewinding is not possible. So that's a question in itself. Are we really reversing or are we just, you know, it's our framing of it is is interesting because we can't actually reverse things. We go on with this period of time where we we weren't there in a relationship and in that place or whatever. Um, And is that different from regretting uh, a non-reversible decision. Um, so in a sense, I'm saying any anything is, is non-reversible, but it's interesting that we can kind of frame some things in our mind as, as going back, whereas other things are, are doing something different.
1: Well, yeah, it's obvious that some things are, well, nothing is reversible in the fact, in the idea of actually going back Totally, perfectly, in time, like at the back at the age you were when you made the decision and so on. But like, yeah, you, we can frame things, and I don't think it's particularly weird to say it, that you can reverse. No, it's things. not.
0: It's not. It, it makes sense, but it is interesting just to, yeah, to yeah. like raise the question. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Um, yeah so so what we're talking about is basically the fact that when you go back to something when you reverse a decision you are building something new that just looks like the past status quo the past situation but it's it is it is new and this is true in a relationship if you go back with someone you've broken up with um like your relationship after is not going to be more there's going to be a lot of small things that are different from the first part of the relationship, so to speak. Um, But yeah, so regret in relation to something that you cannot really undo at all is probably, I think I agree. Well, I don't know if you said that explicitly, but I think I would say that um, it is different from regret about something you can reverse because it's actionable. It's It's different emotions. One is just about. The past like thinking it's like thinking if you're thinking about history and you're like was it good that like we that the americans bombed japan with nuclear bombs whatever like you know you can ask the question it's interesting maybe to think about it but like what are you gonna do about it right it's it's It, it, it
0: can it can pain you in in slightly different ways can't it it
1: can yeah but
0: it's it's, I mean these I mean these two these two mode, modes of regret, let's call them, they're touching like quite different, slightly yeah. different parts of your soul, I'd say. Well
1: yeah, or, or you could say they're the same, it's just that one has an open door in which you can go, which is trying to repair or trying to heal. Um so so it is kind of Like, like, I'm, I'm. One of the ways I entered this this podcast with one of the ideas I kind of wanted to discuss is like, is the idea of regret valid at all? Like, is it a thing that you that we should feel? And it's, uh, and now that we're like sort of making this distinction between regret that we can revert that we can use to build something again, and regret that is just idle speculation about the past. I'm wondering if like one of the kinds is valid and the other is not. Uh, but at, at, at the same time, yeah, we're just bouncing with ideas. And I'm like, are they actually that different, though? I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so I think, I think maybe it's a good time just for me regret just in the way you just asked the question like is it an emotion that even makes sense in a way it's about things that happen that it's it's unclear if there's any utility to it or is it just you know purely making us feel bad about something that's actually out of our control and I've also dealt with that and It's interesting, right? Because any experience and any decision you made can be a learning experience and you want to frame it as such as a learning experience and not kind of be pained by it if there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it does seem a lot of the time like regret is this weird emotion. I mean, I think we all have a hard time imagining an animal feeling regret, which is interesting. Um, And then with us, what could be the thing about it? But could it just be an emotion that just attests or testifies to the salience of an experience where you go back and revisit it? as a learning experience, should we not be looking at it like that, like, and then be a little bit thankful that we have that emotion? Because for reasons unbeknownst to us at every point, we think about this learning experience and maybe realize that it's unresolved yet. And there is still some sort of insight to be Um, distilled
1: from it Um, what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on this it's plausible that all almost all emotions at least have some value and you can use them to grow so i think yeah we should not reject the idea of regret outright and just say no if you feel regret stop feeling regret now it's useless stop that's not a super productive avenue i think but but yeah, I'm not. I'm still. It's. I'm still uncertain what to think about about regret, and I think it's more helpful to me in my life to sort of think it's not an emotion to focus on that much. It and it's and it was interesting when you said like that animals don't seem to feel regret, or it's hard for us to think that they do, and it's probably because most animals don't have a very strong model of time, so they're living mostly in the present. Um, So like to feel like regret necessarily comes from thinking that the past choice you made was bad. And so it brings in the concept of a bad decision, which is also a concept that sounds obvious, but when you think about it a a little bit, it's kind of a weird concept. What is a bad decision exactly? Whenever you make a decision, whenever you decide something, it's necessarily the best decision that you could take at that moment, right? It doesn't really make sense to say there are two choices, Mm -hmm. right? Now I can take, I will Mm -hmm. take the worst one. Mm -hmm. You you never think that. At all points, you always do the, the, the best thing. It's only in, in retrospect when thinking about the past that you can say, well, now that I am older mm-hmm. and wiser, maybe um, this seems like it was not the best decision I could have made at the time. But that's the thing. One thing that's helped me in my life when thinking about this is how, how does that even make sense to say it's not the best decision I could have taken at the time? Because at the time, that's what I was thinking that the kind of person I was, that's the sort of situation I was in. That's the information I had on hand. What, how could I have made a better decision at the time? Like it could, I guess you could say, well, maybe by thinking for a longer time, maybe it was a rash decision, something you you, you made, a decision you, you made too quickly. But even then you would have had to take, to take the decision to make the decision of waiting to get to gather more information, to gather more, uh, to ponder your thoughts some more, and you obviously did not think it was worth waiting because you did, uh, you 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 did you made the decision at that moment. I guess some caveat to this: sometimes do you have to make a decision for an immediate thing because like you cannot wait, like there is right. A tiger direction. running towards you, and yeah. now you have to make a decision of running in that direction or in that direction. And, like, you know, um, in that case, it's maybe actually random. Like, it's so quick that uh, you made a decision that's random. And, and, and that's kind of the same thing. It doesn't really matter. You could not have made a better decision because you had no time to actually make it. It was random.
0: And, and if you die, you won't regret it. That's fine. That's a, <laughs> that's a plus.
1: <laughs> well,
0: yeah. <laughs> um yeah so let's see i have i have something an episode from my life that i can kind of bring back to life here and and kind of examine it so living in the states i um i had a girlfriend who was from um like an urban environment and i'm not an urban person but we moved there we were kind of uh, lost in retrospect i would say i didn't really know what i wanted to do but i Felt very much that I wanted this relationship to work just because it's the type of person that I am. Like a, a relationship is almost like a project, right? That you want to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. So I moved there and I did the most unthinkable thing for me, which is I studied for the... Um, exam for selling life insurance in Florida, right? It's a very dark episode of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, um, and I started working for this company, like selling life insurance, spoiler alert, I did not sell one policy before quitting. Um, and I had this boss, like the, the big boss at the office, who was also an immigrant, um, a Lebanese immigrant. And he, he, he took a liking to me and we kind of, he did off pretty well, um, and he saw that I was good at poker, and and he suggested to actually uh, back me for a tournament or something like that. Oh. Um, and when when I went to that tournament, it was like it turned out. And I'm I'm a person who's pretty good with with time and dates and and all that. I don't forget, but I showed up on the wrong day, like the tournament had already being a thing of the past or something happened yesterday oh, wow. right so i was supposed to enter like this 600 tournament which is like good money um that's just the buying right so with other people um and it didn't materialize and of course i hated this job so i quit um i left the relationship came back to israel um a part of me I, and i don't know there might be room here to think if it's regret or not but it's it's a kind of like that day where i went to the poker tournament and and didn't and realized that it was over um it kind of stuck with me and now when i think about it sometimes at certain points less less so much now but i've definitely had events where i went back to that situation and i felt like oh had Something been different there. I would be on this life trajectory that's totally different. And then I and then I kind of wake up from it, and I say, "Well, that makes no sense." I mean, my I still didn't like my job, and um, it was, it was not the person I was meant to be with for the rest of my life. Um, that I was with at the time. Um, so what I'm left with with is understanding that this unresolved issue in my mind that can be interpreted is regret is actually just showing me that, you know, maybe I still have a thing with money. And and it's not uncommon because we grow up in a society where being uh, having money is good. And I'm thinking like, maybe that would have been like the beginning of a trajectory of me playing poker and, and becoming rich, right? So that's, that's my takeaway from this salient emotion of, of going back to that point in time and kind of Going over this and, and maybe for a few minutes, kind of running with it on this alternative timeline before coming to my senses and being like, no, I, it was the right decision to quit the job. It was the right decision to move on. And it wouldn't have taken me to a, to a better place, but, but it's there, you know, and I still remember it. I'm still recounting it to you, even though it's mm-hmm. just an experience about something that didn't happen, Right um so so that's kind of
1: interesting i I like your story a lot and it also it seems like it's very random right why did you mix up the dates to not go to that tournament like like that's just random shit that life throws at you yeah like but i i understand you're feeling very 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 well it's it's almost as if we could say that regret is often a fantasy regretting something is just building this fantasy of how things could have gone if you've made that other decision at that right. one point. Um, what if I kept that job and now I were, I had been promoted and now I was making great money and being super fulfilled in it. Spoiler alert, you probably wouldn't because you were not fulfilled <laughs> in the first place. Right. Um, but But still, right. I've had a lot of this with my choice of, what to study in university? What if I'd studied uh, something I know I like, but is not a good job prospect, like uh, philosophy or history, uh, and like maybe I would have liked this more than what I actually studied, and eventually went into grad school and became a super famous historian? You know, whatever. Like, but that's just a fantasy. Like, who's to say I would have? done that path who's to say would have actually liked it more than when I did actually study which was biology and computer science um yeah
0: so so that's 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 why in the end I think my takeaway is like look this regret whatever I interpret it as regret but what it is is um a kind of trigger or I don't know how to call it but it's it's an emotion that brings me back to a place that just kind of points the way in the end to an unresolved issue, which is, for example, like, um, yeah, I would have liked to, to, um, to, for example, make a lot of money and be and be socially fitting in the in that way. Um, and it's interesting that even though for the last year and a half, you know, after after I didn't have a job to do anymore. Uh, being a tour guide and all, and I've been playing with things, and I've been training myself consciously, and I know it's something that's that pertains to to um, to your life as well. Just lo- looking forward and and thinking a lot about the concept of of job and work, um, but it's it's still not. Um, so I've been working a lot about. Um, letting go of the the money thing and doing things out of my own impetus for for creating things, Um, expressing myself creatively, and knowing that any thought about the outcome, whether it's going to make me money or not, is actually not going to do anything good for my actual creation. Um, So if I start to express myself in a way that I think is going to be popular, well it's it it can only do one thing, which is to make me express less myself and and more people's expectations, right um And yet, this one event in my life, like I keep going back and again, my takeaway is that it's not totally resolved and and that's where I'm, that's what I'm left with um that this regret is actually just something that points out to me that something is not totally res- resolved. Um, but I'm getting more and more to the point where I look back at it and I immediately catch myself and say, this is ludicrous, right? It's like, there's really no point to go, um, to, go to that point in time. Um, yeah. And what do you think in terms of, uh, also you mentioned um, bad decisions. And I think, first of all, it's, it's good to remember that anything at all is both good and bad four different things um, but now going back to the to the issue of of looking at things and wishing that you had done something differently that kind of touches on on free will and we the short answer is that we don't know about free will like from a neuroscience perspective we don't know a lot we didn't find it in our biology but there's a kind of debate on on whether it exists or not. Um, I will say very shortly and very succinctly that I think that so far it's the best concept that we have in in describing our capability to, to learn and to do things that are different, to break with old patterns. That's just the concept we use to entertain the idea that we can break with old ways and, and act differently. And I think as such, it's, it's extremely important. Um, And I don't go so much into the neuroscience or the, or what you find doing meditation or into that. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Like, how do you view the issue of of free will and our incessant um, thinking about things we could have done differently? Yeah.
1: The, the, view i've sort of adopted over time about free will is that it's just a badly defined concept and that most conversations about it are just hopelessly confused they're not even talking about anything relevant that's kind of my overall view. Like when you ask, "Is there free will?" The answer is not yes. it's not no. It's this is a bad question. Basically, is what mm. my, my my view is. On the other hand, the concept always comes up anyway. And like you say, it's it might be the best word we have to describe something in the human experience. So like it's and even I like I'm the one who brought it up at the beginning of this uh, conversation. So, like, even I use it, even though I think it's a bad concept, you know. So, there, we, we kind of have to talk about it occasionally because it's, it's there. It's a, it's a thing we need to, talk, to think about. And when thinking, thinking about past decisions, like, going back to what I was saying earlier about the fact that there is no such thing as a bad decision in the present because you always make the most correct decision that you can think of on the instant, um, that kind of lets you suppose that, like if you agree with the idea of free will and that you and that we have some, like you sort of think, well, there are two decisions I could take. I am free at any given point of choosing either one. Maybe I think this one is better, this one is worse, but I am free to take the worst one. But realistically, you're never going to take the worst one, right? You, like That's never going to happen. If you take the worst one, it's because you thought it was better. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, it seems like free will does not really exist. You'll just always pick whatever is the best decision, depending on the external circumstances and your own frame of mind. You, you may be wrong and then later regret. But like at the moment, your internal uh, state of mind thinks that it's uh, it's the best decision so free will is kind of uh i don't i kind of don't really want to go full all the way into like the big philosophy of it and because i'm not a specialist we don't have to um yeah that's that's why i'm sorry go ahead (laughs) sorry i i I was thinking i don't want to go there but still like free will makes kind of sends the question if you think there is an epiphenomenon of consciousness, like consciousness sort of external to the physical world. I don't agree with this. So that's why I kind of think it's a badly formed concept. Your consciousness is just a part of all the processes going on in the world that will lead to a decision one way or another. Um, So you could have made a better decision if your consciousness had been different, but your consciousness is depending on what your consciousness was and also the external circumstances right before and so on and so on until uh uh, since the beginning of time basically which is a kind of very deterministic point of view that leads to people saying there is no free will but again free will is a badly formed concept it's just the way it feels for your consciousness which is part of the universe and the physical world to evaluate the circumstances and take a decision to make a decision does that make sense
0: yeah yeah it it does um for me it does like the, the way the way i look at it it's it's something like i said that is is a useful concept in the sense that it it enters our consciousness as mm-hmm. the thought that we could have done something differently but it's actual utility lies in the fact that it primes our consciousness um to be able to choose differently and not just make the same type of decision we made mm-hmm. last time. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a kind of a, it's a kind of a, a stop. Um, it's a kind of a marker that makes us not go with just any pattern of behavior that we have. Right. So it stops it for a, min- a minute and it informs our soul whatever our, our mental um our mental aspect that things can be different you, you see what I mean so I'm not treating it as something that's that's exactly real like it doesn't it doesn't defy determinism for me but I think its usefulness lies in the fact that it's signaling in consciousness making explicit the fact that next time doesn't have to be like last time so
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I really, really wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. It's as if like, like the animals earlier in our brain, right? It's a metaphor. It's like a, a way to make sense of how these things happen. Like, like the concept of a decision. Like if we say that a, uh, that a decision is, uh, a bad decision is not a thing that actually exists, but we still talk about bad decisions, in a way, it's kind of like in math, like negative numbers. They're not actual, you can see a negative number, but like it's a useful concept to have. Um, so I think free will is, is a useful concept to have to be able to talk about it. And it's useful for what you basically just said, to be able to reflect on our decisions. Because when you aren't going to make, to take an, I forget, make or take a decision. I, make, I, I, uh, I'm make, yeah, awfully yeah, yeah. confused about this. Um <laughs> When you make a decision in the future, you are going to integrate everything from your past experience. And everything from your past experience includes all of the decisions that you've done and remember. So so at that point, you you will make a decision that you hope will be the best and that you probably think it's, is the best when it happens, but you think it's the best because you've made all of the other decisions and maybe thought about them and regret some. Uh, so you're not going to repeat the same mistakes.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because it makes me think that you know maybe both the concept of regret and that of free will are kind of contaminated with, with bad ideas and they make us interpret certain things as, as these concepts, but really free will, as, as I was just putting it, there's really, um, not any direct connection with, with a will or, or with freedom, but it's, it's, it could be just as well called, um, some given a name for some feeling of the sense that the future doesn't have to resemble the past when it comes to your decisions. Right. Um, Hmm. Same with regret, right? It doesn't, we interpret it as a negative emotion um, today and we call it regret as, as like is as in re, like taking, right? Like rewinding um, when really also the way I interpreted it today makes me think that it's not about going to the past. It's about the future and it's contaminated by an idea we have that it has to do with the past. Or with changing, and it also it's not about, it's not really about changing the past. It's about um, future potentialities. So I don't know that's kind of, a, of an interesting thought that our conversation uh,
1: led me to. So mm-hmm. happy for that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great way to put it. No, to be fair, like because I had the definition of free red open on my computer, I just looked up the etymology and mm-hmm. it apparently comes from the from old Norse and it means to cry. <laughs> so it's really
0: <laughs> well I studied <laughs> like, Latin and I, I would have guessed that it comes from uh French through Latin, uh Latin through French. So I'm surprised. No,
1: it it does come from French and English, but uh the French took it from some old Germanic or Norse grotta or something meaning to cry. So it oh, says man, definitely a nice. negative, uh, a negative word. But uh, but but yeah, it's probably I think it's, it's part of growing up and maturing to understand what the nature of regret is and seeing is like you said, uh, a potentiality for different things next time.
0: Nice. Um, is there anything that we omitted in terms of, of a subject that comes to your mind that could be further explored in the in the domain of um, looking back at decisions or, or going there, forward? There's
1: there's one thing that mm-hmm. I would like to bring up. Sure. And it's in the process. So I'm going back to the relationship uh, story I told earlier. And when we uh, made up and came back together and that was three years ago now so you know like it's it was there's still maybe a few things that haven't healed totally but overall like it's going perfectly fine now um but in the process there was a lot of thinking and discussing between us um and a lot of apologizing as well or Well, not necessarily a lot but there was some apologizing and it actually led me to think about what it actually means to apologize which i think is another another thing that we sort of take for granted the thing that seems like to make sense of course apologizing right it's like a thing you do all the time when you've wronged someone Mm -hmm. Um, but what what does it actually mean right to apologize um and it's it is very very connected to the idea of regret regret means thinking something you did in the past was bad apologizing means exactly the same thing, except with the added dimension that the bad thing hurt someone and that now you wish you did not hurt that person. So, and so when you wrong someone or hurt someone on a deep level, and then you think about how you wish you did not, uh, you, can eventually come to apologizing, but it's actually tricky. I don't know. It's, it's hard to 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 express it because I I've had one conversation about this once where I was like, at some point in the conversation, which was a hard conversation, and at some point I was like, wait, I think I just figured out what an apology actually is. And I'm trying to remember what exactly I said, but I think it was because... Like in our conversation at that time, I was also convinced that regret was, you know, not a very that much of a meaningful idea. Since you took the right decision, and when I left, when I did the breakup, I thought it was the best decision at the time, right? So, like, when I apologize or regret it, I'm not going to say it was a bad decision. It was something I should not have done because, like, it was something I thought needed to be done. I, I feel that inner peace. Like it was, it made absolutely crystal clear sense when I did it. And now I want to apologize because I know you hurt. I want you to feel better about it. But I cannot, I, I'm going to be kidding myself and be insincere if I just say that person was crazy and should not have done this. That's not what happened. So, apologizing, I think what I said at the time meant was that it means, um, Acknowledging that you did the thing that was right, and despite that, recognizing that it hurt someone you love and its I think it means acknowledging this contradiction, that you did the right thing and yet it hurt somebody and you don't like this contradiction, you want this contradiction to be gone, but like you acknowledge it's there and like I'm not sure that's what exactly the words I used back then it was maybe two years ago, but like I think when I realized that it it made me feel kind of better because I sort of just realized that's something that you know humans need to deal with and it I think meant that my my apology was completely sincere also because I was not just pretending it was that I. Sh- was that i had been crazy to make the decision I, I was saying i know why i made a decision it made sense but i love you and that doesn't square and like i hate this i don't i don't want to hurt i i deeply regret that it hurt you even though i could not have done something different
0: that's that's beautiful. And I think another dimension can also be added in this case with the etymology of, of apology. So um, the platonic dialogue, it's it's less of a dialogue, really. It's a bit different. But uh, Socrates apology. Right. He's t- he's talking to the um, to the court in Athens, to the citizens. It's an apology. Now, it he doesn't apologize in the sense that we think he says kind of ridiculous things. Um but it comes from apologia, so literally like from, from speaking or from thinking, and it just means an account of. So I think that's also a part of, of apology in the sense that we, uh, we consider it to be like everything you said. I think that's a beautiful way of, of describing an apology, and I think that a dimension could be added to it with remembering that it's giving an account. So it's not just apologizing fully, is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's not just saying like, oh, trust me, we're going to, to start a new page here, right? It's actually giving an account. And the more detailed the account of your inner thoughts and feelings as, um, as the decision is built up, let's say the decision that you are now apologizing for, um, the more detailed the account you give of how you felt and, and what you thought at the time, um, the more power it gives to the apology and to the promise for for the start of a new page, you know. So,
1: mm-hmm. in the same way that what we said about regret and apology, you're right is about is more about the future than about the past. It's... Yes,
0: yes, exactly. But yeah, and actually, and and the part with with apology because it involves other people, you know, it's it's a great way to. Uh, to reconcile with people is be vulnerable to them, you know, and, and be able to get to a point where you say, you know, before in real time, I was probably not able to share all these things with you. Now I'm in a position to actually share these things with you, be vulnerable. And I hope that this makes up for, um, you know, if if not fully, then it makes up for, um, for any sort of, of, hard feelings that that were caused by it, because you might you might be able to to understand me better and and you know we we can come closer on the on the grounds of being more open with one another
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: lovely um a 10 thank you so much for coming on and being so honest and, and open about things, these things I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I invite you to um, let our listeners know if you want to be followed, if there are works you publish and you want people to see or anything of the sort, then I invite you to, to go ahead and do that now.
1: Oh, okay. Sure. Um, well, I write a lot of things online on various Platforms at this point. So there's no single thing I would like to point people to. Um, I guess you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Etienne FD, uh, is the username. I'll and put from it in there, the show notes. Sure, sure. And, and etiennefd.com, which is my personal website, which is maybe not so totally up to date, but points to all of the things I, I, I'm doing. At the moment, that's, uh, yeah, I have lots of projects, mostly writing projects about various various things um so if you enjoyed this uh, mind that you heard about that you heard talking for an hour uh, <laughs> go ahead um otherwise thank you all for this lovely opportunity this was actually a great conversation a lot of things that i do think about a lot but i've not actually re- written very much about regret about decision making about apologies um I have not actually even, like even the conversation about apology, as I said, I think I've had this, this was the second time I've had a conversation about this. Um, But I think it is kind of a core concept of how I approach life. So it's uh, it was actually really good to be able to have the space to uh, express those ideas, think about them in a more crystallized way than just my random thoughts. Um, which makes me think I should probably at some point write an essay about those things as well, because it's, I, think, I think it's uh, it's worth it. It's also good introspection, in any case, to talk or to write about it. And as I said earlier, introspection, when you when you can do it, it's a very worthwhile uh, thing to do.
0: Lovely. Well, once again, I, I had a great time and, and thank you. And I have a feeling that we won't be regretting having this conversation, which is good. <laughs> Um, It was a
1: perfect decision. The most perfect decision we could have (laughs) made.
0: Excellent. Okay, Tien, take care. Thank you. Thank you.